Hey guys, Benjamin Darius, aka BJ here from Dear Dad Podcast. Now, when I started this podcast, I wanted a platform where I can record and upload my content very easily. I didn't want to go through any hoops to get my podcast out there. When I did start my podcast, I was on a different platform. But after I was introduced to Anchor, not once, not twice, but over three times by my close friends, I decided to give Anchor a try. I must say, I absolutely love it. Not only is it easy to use, but I am able to record, edit, post, and publish all my episodes right there on the app or the site. I was able to transfer all my episodes onto Anchor in less than five minutes. That for me was unbelievable. Oh yeah, here's the best thing of all. It's free. It is free to use. Yeah, I know that's crazy, but take my word on this. It's true. Using Anchor has definitely made podcasts so easy. Trust me, you'll love it. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, you beautiful people. Welcome to the Dear Dad Podcast, a platform where you can come and express yourself rather through poetry, spoken words, essay, or simply a live conversation. This is All Dad Talk. I'm here for you. Let's go. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me again. This is Dear Dad Pod- Podcast. My name is Benjamin Darius, a.k.a. BJ. I seem to forget that the first two episodes that I did, the last one. So I'm going to, again, introduce myself. My name is Benjamin Darius, a.k.a. BJ. And today I have a privilege, a pleasure, at having another guest with me um, to talk about his experience as far as father or uh, fatherhood and or being a dad. Um, and today, without holding you guys back any longer, I am going to introduce to you Amor Thomas. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So, you know what? I'm not even going to waste any time. I'm going to go straight to the questions. And the questions that I ask you, you can elaborate. You can go as far as you want. There's no time limit. So, you can go as far as you, you would like to go. So, the, the first question I'm going to ask is going to be a basic question. And you can go again as far as you want to. And the first question is, um, who are you? Who is Amar? And just let the, known, the world know who is Amar. Oh, that's an interesting question. I wish I had been a bit more prepared for that one. Who is Amar? Um, currently, occupation would be photographer or content creator. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, what else? What do people want to know? Who is Amar? That's a good question. Hey, what do you want the people to know about Amar? Well, what I want them to know? That I'm amazing. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> just that I strive every day to do the best that I can to, uh, to achieve what it is I want to achieve. That's probably the main thing that I would like to project out there. Nice. Cool, cool. Okay, moving forward to the next question. All right, so this is going to be a little bit in-depth. And again, I would like you to go as far as you want to go with this one. All right, so tell me a little bit about your dad. Okay, about my father. Well, first off, my father is great. I love my father to death. Uh, my father, Jamal Thomas. Um, he is, for me, the epitome of the man that I've strived to be, that I've always wanted to be. He is extremely hardworking, intelligent, um, very handy, um, and great sense of humor and in general a a good person a very kind-hearted person Um, he is quite a humanitarian in ways that I am not Uh, and so 
again, a lot of the things that he is, I strive to be, although it's probably a bit hypocritical of me because there are things that there are characteristics that he uh, exemplifies that I just know I'm probably not going to reach. There are certain characteristics that he exemplifies that I don't aspire to, although um, I admire him for that. So that would be that would be my father in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And why do you feel like you can't? Those are the, those things that you can't achieve, or you, you don't think that you will ever be able to do. Well, because because we're two different people, for starters, uh, it's hard to. When someone is your role model, but you know that they still have traits or characteristics that you just, you know that's not you, then I'm not sure all, at all times what to do with that. And so, you know, um, uh, for instance, is I'm quite the Senate. I think everybody is, is very self-motivated. Right. He's far more forgiving, far more understanding. And so my cynical nature won't always allow me to be as as forgiving or understanding or empathetic as, as he. And so there are just certain characteristics that I, that I admire about him that I just know I'm probably not going to be able to exemplify. And I'm okay with that, but I still watch it and I still try to, in bits and pieces, take the parts of him that I really love and try to project that back outward. Uh, and so I definitely think I've picked that up from him. He's a fast learner, I am as well. Um, he's very self-motivated. I am as well. Um, and I try to be as, as kind-hearted and as, as good as he. My sense of humor, he's very funny. I think I definitely have a sense of humor. But I also try to be as, as benevolent as he. He will help people if they are in need of help. Uh, and I try to do the same. Okay. And so those are some of the better traits that I think that I have been able to learn from him and apply in my own life. Any 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 traits in your dad that you find is a struggle for you that you're going through right now? Well, yeah, that empathetic that that empathy is is definitely tough. I think he's far more empathetic. Um, Was that well? Is that something that you want to change or you want to, you know, at least be better at? No. Oh, okay. No, and that's why I said I just it's, I admire it okay. in him, uh, and sometimes it can be hypocritical of me. But no, I don't wish to be as empathetic as he. Um, and so that's definitely one of the things that I think about. Uh, and he's also extremely family oriented in ways that I am not. I'm family oriented, but I'm a bit of a loner. Okay. And he's not like that. I have two brothers, but I didn't grow up in the same household as them um, because we have different mothers. Okay. Whereas my father was one of 11 children. One of 11. One of 11. Okay. Um, same mother and father for all 11. So he grew up in a household with all 10 of his siblings. Wow, wow. So, you know, things like that, I just can't emulate. Um, I'm going to be quite the loner because I've learned to entertain myself or to be very comfortable with myself. Okay. Um, he has learned a very different lesson in regards to that. He is very comfortable being around people. He, is, he wants to host uh, like I said, there are certain things that I just really I admire about him, that we are products of our environment, and my environment was different than his. And so parts of me are different than him. So you said you are you have a sibling, right? I have two. I have two brothers, two older brothers. Um, and where does your father fall in line as far as um, 
his his siblings. You see, he has 11 siblings. 10, 10, he, 11 in total, so 10 other siblings. Right. He was the middle of 11. The middle of 11. Yes, he was number six. Um, he loves his siblings to death. Now, as, like, as with most families, you're going to have ups and downs. Um, you're going to have difficult moments. Right. But he will give his siblings the shirt off his back. He will defend them. He's loyal to a fault. He will defend them to the very end. Uh, he's just, again, he's very family-oriented. If he can do something for his family, then he's going to do it. And you say that's in yourself. Is that a character that you find in yourself as well? Or no? Definitely loyal. I'm an extremely, fiercely loyal person, but I'm just more of a loner. Um, the last time I spoke to my brothers was probably a month ago. Okay. Prior to that, it was probably three to four months. I, I can go long stretches of period without speaking to them. I go long stretches of, period, long stretches of time without speaking to friends. Again, that's not him. Okay. So, but, and, and I'm comfortable with that. He would be far less so. I mean, there's different personalities. Exactly. I, I, mean, exactly. I, I mean, I can understand that. But I mean, this, um, the, my siblings, I fall into the middle child, you can say. Um, as far as the, the boy, yep, I'm the second out of anybody else. But I'm the middle child, so I, I know some people might say this is a myth, but middle child syndrome is, is real. <laughs> it's real. I mean, some of the characteristics that you were saying is also something that I can relate to as far as being a loner. I find comfort at being alone. I find, um, I find it to be um, relaxing. I don't like congestion. I get kind of paranoid when I'm in a big crowd. Um, I get withdrawn if I'm in a, a place that I'm not familiar with. Or I'm not, if I'm in a crowd that, let's say I'm, go, I'm going to a meeting and I don't know these people, I don't, I don't know their background, I don't know who they are, I tend to overthink. And I tend to like uh, think the worst. Maybe the people don't want to talk to me. Maybe I don't want to do certain. I don't know. I think the worst. Or sometimes my best defense is just to shut down and not say anything at all. You know. Um, and it's, for me, it's not something wrong, but it's something that I want to work towards because I can see the benefits of that. I know with my wife, she's more of a um, uh, extrovert. She can talk to whomever she, that comes that she come across. And it's not the way she does it. She's not trying to make up conversation. You can, it's not something you can notice, it just flows out with her. It's very easy. Whereas for me, I have to like think twice. I gotta think, is this person friendly? Is this person like me? They don't like me? So I overthink the basic necessities and the result is I don't do anything. I think that would be described, some people describe that as anxiety though. That, that, may, be, that may be your anxiety. A mild anxiety? Yeah, um, I'm selectively, so whereas my father is, just, is social, I'm selectively social. Um, I do get to a point where I just no longer want to be social, and then I'll remove myself. But until I get to that point, I'm a very social person. And so I try to pick and choose my moments. I try to do it when I think it best suits me. Um, in professional instances, I'm social. And, and again, until I just don't feel like I, I want to be. But I try to hold that those, that, those periods of time where I want to be social when I really need them. So it's, it's almost a, a tool for me. So what kind of character comes out whenever you are dealing with... Uh when you're dealing with someone in a professional manner, let's say you are talking to someone as far as either interview or um, you're trying to interview someone for uh, for a photo shoot, what is your demeanor in comparison to you know an everyday life? Probably very different. And you know, I think for many of us, and when I say us, I mean black folks, uh, we have a tendency to, or we have the capability to code switch. And so, I think that in professional settings, I'm probably um, a bit louder, 
definitely utilize my sense of humor. Um, just really social because I'm code switching. I think my how I speak, I'm probably a bit more articulate. Um, it's, it's completely different. It's like night and day because I think many of us have to learn how to kind of adapt to the environment we're in and be a bit different. And so it probably looks very different. And I think if you meet people who really know me as opposed to those who I work with, they wouldn't know the, the, uh, those two different people. They wouldn't know the person I am personally. Um, whereas my close friends, if they saw me in a, a holiday party, for instance, they would say, who, that per- who is that person? So it's, it's the code switching, though, that I think we just have to naturally learn and adapt to. I feel like it's a defense mechanism at times. Defense? Do we use it defensively or, or do we use it almost aspirationally to get to where we need to go? Is it this? Is that internally, is that the character we're trying to be or at least helping us to get to where we want to go? Is it, I wonder with the code switching. Is it an aspirational thing? Am I talking a certain way because ultimately I want to be with this crowd or I want to earn like that crowd or... Or are we doing it defensively? Is it to protect ourselves in some way, shape, or form? Or to not let those know who we really are? I don't know. I think it really depends on the situation. I think for me, sometimes it's aspiration. And the person as well. And the person, yes. And who you're interacting with, absolutely. I mean, depending on who you interact with, I think your, even your tone changes. Absolutely. Um, if you're talking to a person that's in business or a friend of yours or a colleague, your tone and your, your, your is different. Um, the way you approach the conversation is different. So I guess, I guess from what you're saying it doesn't make it it does make a difference but what you i think what you we, we have to be careful is, is is um not trying to how can i say this try to don't do a character that's not you you know what i'm saying don't be fake because there's a lot of times like there are some people that you can tell there's a, a pitch that they had to hit like if somebody's lying to you or talking to you and they know they don't want to have any interest in you they have a higher pitch don't be a fake person. Be real. If you're gonna if you're gonna emulate something, if you're gonna mimic something, let it be a, a characteristic of you, okay. not a, a, a character that you want to build for someone that's not even gonna be in your presence for a long time. You know what I'm saying? So it's, if it's gonna be you, let it be you throughout, and that's how this kind of conversation is. And you're gonna move on with that. Another person comes in, that's how your mood is, and that's how that person is. And you're gonna you're gonna project that towards that person. But for you to just act a certain way. And then uh, it's not really you. It, it comes out fake. You know, for me, I, I pick up a lot on body language. Like body language and the way your, your, your eye twitches or your, your move. It, for me, I pay a, a lot of attention towards that. Because if you move a certain way, um, here's a good example. My wife will, will tell you that. Um, she would ask me a question. She would say, well, do you want to do this? And I'm saying yes. I say yes, but my head says no. She was like, that doesn't make any sense. So you're telling me you don't want to do it. I was just like, yes. Like, it's, I don't even notice that I'm doing it. And she told me, so you don't want to do it. I was like, no, I do. She's like, but you, you're telling me no. You're saying yes, but your, your face is saying no. You're shaking your head. And I don't even notice that I'm doing that. That's why I say I'm not being real. So if somebody asks me a certain question, just be real. You know what I'm saying? Be real. You don't want to do it, be flat out say, I can't do it. I don't, I don't want to do it. Because your body speaks before you do. Because you can say certain things but your body will react to it. Yeah, I think it is hard to be genuine in both um, kind of code switch or adapt to the environment you're in. I would 
say for you though, because happy wife, happy life, you should continue <laughs> to say yes to everything that she says, <laughs> even if your head is shaking. No, so you know that's a good tool. <laughs> you got that down pat. That's smart. I mean, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working. I, I, if I don't want to do something, I'm gonna say I don't want to. I don't like to, um, and give the reason why. I don't want to just flat out say no. You know what I'm saying? This is marriage life is a whole different perspective, and I'm not gonna go into that. But you know, there's there's give and take, and that's one thing I might have to just find a way of communicating better, which is you can never master that. A, a better way of communicating. If my wife say I'm not doing certain things, I gotta listen to her, and 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 um and act on that. If she doesn't like it, that means that she, there's a reason for her not to like it. If I don't listen to it, then it's only gonna be a problem in the future. So that's 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 a whole different topic. So <laughs> let me ask you another question. What are some mistakes that taught you the most about life? Wow. Um, well, first off, I think the way you learn is through your mistakes. You know, the funny thing about life, unlike traditional instruction, usually when you go to school, you get the lesson and then the test. Life gives you the test first, and then you learn the lesson from that. And so um, everything I've learned has been through uh, mistakes. But if I'm being completely transparent, the mistakes that I've learned the most from um, were also my biggest blessings, which are my children. Right. Um, obviously, I didn't plan any of my children. And so in that regard, you can say that that was a mistake. The action was a mistake, but my, mis- my children aren't mistakes. Right. Uh, they truly are blessings. And so I learned the most from them. They've all been um, mirrors for me. Uh, as uh, just uh, They provide a lot of insight into who I am or who I was, rather, and also who I needed to be. And so in a sense, it would be them three. So what do you say? It's not a mistake per se. It's just the mistake was was the irresponsibility of the recklessness of making them without any forethought at all. Right. Those were the mis- That was the mistakes. Right. Having children again are blessings, but um, did I plan on them? No, absolutely not. Uh, was it really talked about? No. And so in that there was there was some immaturity or irresponsibility. That's fair. I mean, everybody goes through that. Everybody, everybody goes. Everybody through goes through that. that. I mean, sometimes even if you plan it, it's not something you might be prepared for. Yes, it's very hard to prepare for children. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? I'm I'm gonna actually again move forward with that last statement that you said um, about your children. Tell me about fatherhood, about being a dad. Becoming a father was the biggest blessing that I could have been given um, because it. From, from henceforth, from that point on, it really shaped who I was or, or who I am continuing to become. And so prior to the kids, I was, I had, I was very selfish, okay. um, had very little accountability. And so I think that, that that immediately gave me some accountability. It immediately gave me um, something to work towards, some responsibility. It immediately gave me a lot of perspective. I had to sit back and see what I was doing and start to immediately take corrective action. Um, but uh, the most important thing about fatherhood, and I have three daughters, is fatherhood taught me how to love. I think prior to that, I was confused what love was. I think you, I mean, we naturally love our parents or our family in a certain way, shape, or form. Some of us, although we love our family, we, we don't get to choose them, so they're just there. So we like we love them, but I don't really want to deal with them. Uh, your children are different, and them being on, on me having daughters, uh, it helped me learn to value women in a different way. Okay. And so it taught me love in a way that I didn't know it. Uh, it taught me how to really 
be more giving. How to, I, I had to. I had to give more of myself. I had to just really reshape who I was. I had to become more affectionate. I'm not a very affectionate person, but they require that. Um, it just it taught me a lot of things, and it, it, it was, again, a mirror up to me. Uh, it was a holding a mirror up to myself. I think when you look at an actual mirror, you see a physical reflection. When you look at your children, it's a reflection of you, but not the physical one. Although sometimes you can look like them. Not a physical one, but more uh, an emotional and psychological mirror. Um, and if you're selfish, you're going to know. They're going to let you know that. Yes. They're going to have needs that you aren't fulfilling. Uh, if you're not affectionate, they're going to let you know that. They're going to come and be affectionate. Mm-hmm. And you're going to immediately see yourself cringing or recoiling. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to change that action. Or if you choose not to, then it's going to impact them. And so every decision you start to make will have an impact on them and impact you as well. Mm. You have three girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three girls, no boys. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no boys. Do you have you ever reflect on that? No. no. I mean, my thoughts on that are, I just wanted healthy children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. As far as the gender, part of me felt like just because of how society is, not that black women have it easier than men, but the but black women are aspiring to do more and succeeding in a way that black men aren't. They're, they're kind of leaving us behind in oh, a lot of oh, ways. Oh, definitely. Um, black definitely. women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. Black women are graduating college at a faster rate. Um, black women are doing a lot. And so I honestly felt a, a, a bit of a blessing. Women in general are more independent. Women mature at a faster rate. So I felt, I kind of felt like one thing I always wanted is if I had kids, I want them to take care of me at some point in my life. That, that whole role switches. Girls will do that. <laughs> I feel like women take care of their parents more so than men do. Although, not saying black men don't, but uh, I felt the blessing. I felt like it would just be very different lessons I'd have to teach. Uh, but they make, make things a bit easier. I feel like having girls make, just make things a bit easier. You know, I find it fascinating because my wife she um, found out when we found out she was pregnant and um, my first initial reaction was like I would like I want to have a girl okay and I would, I'm gonna tell you the reason why so um, my wife said that she have she's we found out we having a boy and I was I, it's like I was not happy I'm happy to have a child period but I was a little bit concerned to be transparent I was concerned because I didn't think I can love a boy the way I love a girl wow. the reason why was because I have nieces Right, I have two nieces, and the way I interact with them, the way I embrace them, the way I'm around them, um, I'm not as like that when I am with my uh, my nephews. I'm not saying I don't give them love. It's just, I guess, it's a gender. Um, so I was afraid to be a father to a boy and not be able to love him the way I need to love him. I was legit scared. And throughout the whole pregnancy, my wife was asking me, "Well, why don't you talk to the belly and talk to him and make sure that like, you have a connection with him?" It was a detach. I was extremely scared. I was not even scared. I was detached because, I mean, for my wife, I mean, the baby's with her all the time. She feels movement. She feels the um, him, his heart beating and everything. Um, so she has an immediate connection. But for me, it was it was outside looking in. Or should I say, out, yeah, outside looking in, just make, trying to see how I can make this better. So my point of view was just more of like, I just need to my wife to be okay. 
and it wasn't till the day and this is real talk it wasn't until the day he was born that I heard his voice cry for the first time and I looked at him and I spent the first 48 hours with him because my, my wife had complication I spent the first 48 hours with my, with my son and we had an immediate bond all that fear of having a girl instead of a boy it all went away because the amount of love that you have for your child is really, really unmeasurable. I could not, I, I, even still today, the other day I'm just looking at him, I'm like, there's no way I can love someone that's this deep. It's, and the thing is, it continues growing. It never just stops. It always grows and it grows deeper. The thing that he does, the thing that he doesn't do, it just grows deeper. So that concept, as far as having a female instead of a male, went away. So now whenever I'm thinking about having a children, I just say, I just want to have a healthy, healthy child. Like I want, him, I want her or him to come out just healthy. I really don't care because I have so much love in my heart to give that I don't care what gender come out. However, there is a, an issue that, um, a slight little issue that I, I, I kind of had a concern with. My wife and I had that, a brief conversation about just breaking the, the just a sign up a little bit. I, we sat down and we was like, we are having, we are raising a boy to become a man in this society. Yes. It's, it's scary. scary. Yeah. And we literally, we had, we had, we sat down and just like reflect on that. From the stuff that's going around, going on in, its, in, in TV and around the world, that you see young men are getting killed each and every day. Again, I'm sorry guys, this is just a side note, but this is actually just what I was going through. We sat down, we was like, look, we having a boy and he potentially could be one of those victims. Like, how do we train your son? How do we train our kids? How do you train my son to become responsible? How to respond to getting pulled over? How to respond to a cop pulling you over? Like, how, how do you respond to that? How do you train your kids to do that? And that's something that, that wasn't a conversation before. Now this is a conversation. How do you, like, how do you change that dynamic? Because so you can come home alive. Absolutely. You're, at some point, you're going to have to have that tough conversation um, with your son. We all know that we all have to have those tough conversations with our children. But, you know, uh, staying in that same vein with that same topic, what's interesting is I have to have those tough conversations with my daughter because daughters. Right. Because just like yeah. you have to have a conversation with your your boy or young man, how to really how to act in, a, in, in, in certain environments or situations to make sure that they get home safe women are preyed upon constantly yep and so i'm constantly worried about uh your son or everybody else's son and how they're going to react to mine mm, okay okay, okay. Yep. and so i worry about what these young men are being instructed and i'm constantly trying to instruct my daughters how to keep safe not only from the people that don't look like them from the ones that do right uh, okay, so okay. it's a it's a different conversation and for them for me it's i i'm constantly nervous um constantly having to teach my daughters how to really value themselves when society often tells black women not to mm-hmm. when the imagery on you mentioned tv and, and now social media and everywhere uh it seems like society is constantly trying to uh, I don't know, take women and, and make them smaller. Right. 
they're aspiring to be wise where men are being told to aspire to take over the world. Mm. I have to teach my daughters not just to be subjugated. Don't just be some man's prize trophy or whatever. Yes. Do what they're doing. Right. Um, And then while you're doing that, though, you're going to become intimidating because not only you're a woman, but you're a black woman and black Mm. women who ever show passion are immediately stigmatized as angry. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, I guess, rail against that and still right. get to where you want to go? And so it's a very different conversation and it's very layered in how you teach your daughters. And so there's a lot of things that I have to try to instruct them. And really, for me, what it all boils, boils down to is, um, is their self-worth, constantly trying to uh, help them build their self-esteem. One conversation I have with my daughters, my, my daughters are 11, 8, and 6. So I have uh, one in, uh, what's was that fifth grade, third grade, and first grade, or sixth, sixth, third, and first. But the conversation that we have before I drop them off to school always ends in the same thing. I tell them every day uh, to be a leader. Okay. And what that means is, number one, have integrity, which for me means doing the, doing the right thing, whether someone's looking or not. Um, have respect, and that respect starts with yourself. Respect yourself above all else. Set standards for yourself so that should anybody infringe upon those standards, then you know they're not for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they're male or female, regardless of their age, if they're disrespecting you, then they're not for you. Right. Uh, you shouldn't want to be around them. And so constantly having to drill into them, be a leader, meaning do whatever you need to do, what you know is right, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of anything. And so it's a different conversation, but I have a lot of fears too, sending them out into this world yes, on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a tough one. I, I just wanted to, I want to, I continue to want to. What I aspire to as a father is to really send very prepared children out into the world. And so whatever that looked like, that is how I kind of shaped the direction in which I move as far as being a father. How best to prepare them. Um, academically, how best to prepare them. Their personality-wise, how best to prepare them. I know that I'm a role model every day, constantly. And so I have to constantly watch myself and make sure I'm doing things that I would want them to not only see and emulate, but also what would they, what they want to see in, in men. And so, and that's another thing, the, the difference in, in genders and having a son as opposed to a daughter. When you have a son, you want to, I guess, be the example of a man um, so that he can aspire to some of those things. When you have daughters, you want to be the example of a man so that they go out and they try to find, in a sense, you, which sounds kind of Freudian. Right, right, but yeah. um, you got to set the bar really high. So I know once I started having daughters, I had to set the bar really high. I, there was a lot of things I learned after having kids that I didn't do or, or care to do before, like cooking. Okay. <laughs> I went out, learned how to cook, taught myself, look up recipes. I'm constantly cooking because I want to make sure that when they go out one day, and they start to look for men. They have to; those men have to do everything. I do hair, I cook, I clean. I'm completely domesticated, so that when a guy comes along and he doesn't, they're like, "Oh, now my, my dad does all that. I I don't need you." Um, and I've learned that from him. I don't need you. And so, um, the type of father I wanted to be was just a, a, a great example of who men are. Respect women. Um, I'm, I watch my tone around women, especially in, in the presence of my children. Um, just to constantly just be an example just to be a really good example so that when they go out here that's what they're looking for 
So that was my that was my big thing for that. I mean, it, that makes a big difference as well. Having your father as your first role model, because again, you set the, you set the bar. Absolutely. You set the bar. If you don't set the bar, that means that anybody else that comes along as, for your daughter, that means that they're looking elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? They're looking elsewhere, and men have dominating personalities at times. And if they are, if you, if, let's say if you, if one of your girls dated someone, and again, she's not, she doesn't have a foundation, she's pretty much set to settle for just about anybody because she doesn't have a substance. She doesn't have something to hold on to. Uh, whereas if she has a father, a father figure, so to speak, um, uh, is able to accommodate to that and show her the right way about doing th- these things or uh, pretty much, as you said, as being a dad, um, being the role model as far as cooking, cleaning, doing all that stuff because when she goes gets older, those are the kind of stuff that she's going to look for. You know, my, I mean, I'm, I, I got that example. I got that from my mom, though. I didn't even get that from my dad. My mom, when I was younger, um, my sister and I was the one that usually would be cleaning or cooking, so vice versa. So the thing is, my my role in the house was to clean, like sweep and mop the floor, and my, my sister was to cook and help me possibly cook, um, clean as well. Or we always have a, some kind of errands. My mother said, you need to learn how to cook because you don't want to have you don't want to rely on another woman to cook for you because what happens is if you are relying for a woman to cook for you your wife or whoever that means that whatever she cooks no matter how bad it is you have to eat it <laughs> you have to eat it and that, that and it stuck with me and I didn't I didn't know the value of that until I got older because now I dating and I'm able to cook for my entire for my 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 wife or now and my girlfriend then like I'm able to go in the kitchen if she's hungry and cook something or um, even past relationship that I'm able to like go to the groceries and look to see what I want and able to cook and not wait for somebody else to give me that. So now I'm sitting and being hungry. So when the person feels like cooking, then that's what I have to wait for. No. So if I if I if I come with that, if I come with that, that means that she had to come with either at the same level or higher. And that's just how it is. As your daughter, they're gonna come. They're gonna whoever comes to them, they're gonna have to come with someone that has at least your standards, dad's standards, or higher. You know what I'm saying? Because no, now they're not gonna settle for anything less. My dad told me I am precious. My dad told me I'm a queen. My dad told me I'm a princess, and I am royalty. And I'm going to live up to that. And you feed your your child that, especially your daughter that, your son that. That's the that that is who they're gonna become. Your kids can only become what you feed them. And that's exactly what is going to happen. So I commend you for that. So learning how to cook. I know my dad didn't learn how to cook. Now he's like probably better than my mom. You know, it's different. I, kids change you. Um, and he definitely changed. My father, again, was not a cook. I remember when first my father cooked something. It was probably was salty. And I was just like, we're, we're, we're going to die. Like, seriously, we're going to die. I think my mother had to go somewhere. My father had to cook. And my mother was pregnant. That's why it was. My mother was pregnant. So my father decided to step in and do the manly thing. And I was like, okay. So he cooked for us. I think it was plain rice. It was white rice. And it was so salty. And I looked at my sister. And I was just like, uh, we, we, we're we going to die. We're really going to die. It's like, there's no way. So I was like, just give us some money so we can get some Chinese food. But fast forward today, like I mentioned in the previous episode, my father can cook a four-course meal if he wants to, and he could do it without sweat. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not the person I grew to knew. 
he was never like that. But for him to be like this now, I'm like, wow. I, it's like I have to step on my game because my dad, if my, my son comes along and see that I'm able to do those two, that he's able to do it too. Now he see me that I'm doing, I'm able to do it too. But those are the things that I'm going to supplement. Not just be a body there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have to have some kind of substance. I can know I keep seeing that. You have to have substance to hold on to. You have to know what other qualities in you that you um, can bring to the table. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can cook. You can clean. You're educated. I mean, when you have all these qualities for a woman or a man that's dating, you cannot look for someone that's lower than that. Absolutely. You have a high expectation. You have a high expectation. That goes, for again, for both sons and daughters. When you set that standards... They can't look lower than that. They look higher than that. And that's something we always got to implement. I'm going to do it to my son. I'm doing it now. And I know you're doing it with your daughter, which is absolutely an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely an amazing thing. So what were, or should I say, what are some three happy moments in your life? Um, with your kids or yourself, um, what would you consider some, at least three happy moments you can say that pops into your head? Sure. Um, one that immediately comes to mind was, right now I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned that when you asked who I was. I did say I was a photographer, but um, one that comes to mind was the choice to pursue entrepreneurship. Uh, prior to being a full-time freelance photographer, I worked in corporate. And I think that you know, the one thing that my parents didn't give me, although they encouraged it a great deal now, was uh, that, that entrepreneurial spirit. I think that the linear path is what a lot of our generation has learned to go to school, go to college, get a job, settle in, and that is life. Uh, and so... Uh, upon leaving my last corporate job, which I was there for eight years, I was at a major uh, healthcare company. Upon leaving there, instead of immediately going right to job boards, looking for headhunters, going to temp agencies, I decided I would go at it on my own. And although that was one of probably the scariest decisions, that was also one of the proudest. Because uh, I knew I was going to have to do a lot, but I also knew that every dollar I earned was going to be because I worked really hard for it. And I would only earn based upon how much work I did. And so that was definitely, when talk about proud or pr uh, prideful moments, that was a prideful moment to sit there and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so definitely, definitely that. Um, two other really proud moments, probably... One of them involves the kids. My oldest daughter, who is academic, academically, she's a standout. She's a very intelligent girl. Recently, and it was last school year, because this school year is still pretty new. Last school year, I made it to one of her competitions. It was what they called an oratorical. And an oratorical, which is a strange word, but it, it's an a, a essay writing contest, essay writing and reading contest. And so she wrote an essay... Um, and it was during Black History Month. So it was probably early this year, around February. And basically the contest was to pick a historical figure from this list of about 10 people and to write an essay on them and then get up in front of the school and, and speak that essay. And first and foremost, 
we all know the way history is taught in our in, the, in these public school systems, especially Black history, it's very limited. Oh. Learn about Martin Luther King, yeah. probably Thurgood Marshall, Frederick Douglass, maybe W. Uh, e. Du Bois, Maya Angelou. There's very few right. people. So first and foremost, what she did that was interesting is out of the 10 students in the contest, she didn't choose anybody from the list that she was given. She was the only person to do that. She decided she was going to do her own thing. She was going to learn more than what we're being force fed. And I was very proud of her for stepping out. And that was kind of risky in this contest or this competition for her to choose somebody that not choose MLK or Michelle Obama. Right, I think right. six of the ten kids chose Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, right. Uh, and I'm not mad at them for that, but she wouldn't show somebody that nobody knew about. And who she chose was actually the, the woman who started the Me Too movement, which is a black ah, woman. A lot of people don't yes, know yes, that. Yes, yes, it's yeah, a black woman who started the Me Too movement. And so she chose that. And also her being in fifth grade at the time and choosing kind of a, for a fifth grade, a kind of a controversial topic. And to speak on this woman's life, who the woman was assaulted, sexually assaulted, and had just been through a lot of things. And um, from out of all of that she had been through in her life, she started this Me Too movement to really push women empowerment and equality. Mm-hmm. And that is what my daughter wrote on, and she won the contest. Amazing. Wow. I was, I was really choked up. Wow. So that was cool. Um, let me see. A third moment. I think a, a, another moment that was really, I was really proud was when my mother graduated, when she got her bachelor's. I remember that like it was yesterday. When she got her bachelor's, and both, both my parents uh, do have degrees, but when my mother got one before my father, and so when she got her bachelor's, and my grandmother was there, which is her mother, mm-hmm. my, and I call her Nana. My Nana was there, and my Nana has, in her lifetime, she's, not, she's no longer here now, but she struggled with some mental health issues, but um, although she's had... Uh, a lot of times where because she was dealing with a lot of things mentally it was tough she had a moment of clarity at that graduation and I could see in her how proud she was of her daughter mm-hmm. uh, that being the first of her children to graduate from college uh, so seeing all of that and seeing just the generations and then sitting there saying one day I would like to make my mother as proud as she made hers and just being proud of my own mother for accomplishing that you know being a mom and being married and having to do a whole lot and working one and two jobs at times and doing all that and still getting her education, getting mm-hmm. that, that bachelor's degree, which she really worked really hard for. I remember times where I would literally go to college with her. I would be in class with her because wow. my father may have been working late, working nights. Wow. So I went to, she graduated from Keene College. I went to uh, Keene University now. There were classes where I would be in the back of class with her and she would have to go and negotiate and, and haggle with professors just to get me to be in there because I really wasn't supposed to. You're not supposed right, to be right, kids yeah. in school. And so to see her get that was a, a very proud moment. Yeah, that was cool. Wow. Yeah, knowing, seeing the work that she put in was dope. I, can, I was visualizing that when you were saying that. To see your mom after all that hard work. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of work. A lot of, it took years. I think she graduated. She got a bachelor's when she was, um, I believe, 40. Wow. So it took a while. Wow. It's never too late. No, never. Never too late. But that was oh, cool. That's, that was that's, dope. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. All right, so we almost got, we almost wrapping up. I have um, just two more questions for you. Um, how do you want your your girls? I'm gonna be specific. How do you want your girls to remember you? Mm. Talk about my memory already. I got a long way to go. <laughs> uh, um, how do 
how I want them to remember me. I think what's most important to me right now, and every day is something different with them, but what I'm realizing is, is extremely important in being a parent is being someone your children can come to and openly and honestly have a conversation with. Mm. And so I think when it's all said and done, if they could remember that uh, dad was someone who I could be transparent with, mm-hmm. who I felt extremely comfortable with and telling him whatever, and he never judged me. Mm-hmm. Um, he never pointed the finger or came down on me. He just listened. Mm-hmm. If they could remember me as being someone who really listened to them and didn't judge and just really took in what they had to say and could then help to direct them, I would be very happy with that. Hmm. I would be very happy with that. I think at times my oldest, my 11-year-old, I think at times sometimes she holds things back. And I try to let her know that I don't care what it is. I don't care what the topic is. Even if it's sex, I know, because right now, earlier and earlier, they're being exposed to so much. That she knows what sex is. Of course. So I don't care what the topic is. There's no nothing that is taboo. There's nothing that is off limits. Know that I was an open book and you can be one too. Mm-hmm. And if they all can get that, and I really try to push that on her so that then, because she's an example as the oldest child, right. so that her sisters can then say, well, if Anaya came to dad and told him this, and I can tell him whatever. And mm-hmm. he, she didn't get yelled at. She didn't catch flack. He just listened. If they can do that and they can just come talk to me, I would be happy with that. So that's what I want them to look back and think at any time is that I can talk to him. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So last question and then we'll let you go. So what do you want the dads, the fathers, the father figures out there to know? About me or just in general about fatherhood? About fatherhood or what what kind of message you want to leave with father's dad's out there okay mine's gonna be kind of specific to black men um what i would want black men and especially fathers to learn or to know is that you need to learn how to express yourself Uh, i think black men really struggle with expression Hmm. Uh, i think we've been taught for so long to just be um so stoic yes and that does not help your children especially when you're raising young black men yourself mm-hmm. um, if you're sending them out into the world where they can't express themselves they can't cry they can't be who they are who they want to be then they're going to be unprepared because yes. um, the world is going to ask a lot of you it's going to challenge you every day and so what I would tell black men black fathers is to learn how to express yourself don't go into a shell when things get rough um, learn how to cry learn how to tell your kids you love them and, and that's, that's really it just learn how to express yourself how to express yourself that's awesome that's deep that is deep I can honestly say that's on point I that's on point on point I, I'm not gonna elaborate I mean you just shut it down <laughs> you shut it down that was a teardropper and I I I am so honored oh man I'm all, <laughs> thank you so much bro thank you so much for coming to this podcast thank you for being vulnerable thank you for being um, a, a dad thank you for being who you are to your daughter um, thank you for that message that you just dropped on us and I, I hope that every one of you guys are listening men out there to just take that to heart listen to what he said I mean I mentioned it before in the last previous episode and he said it right now again to this episode be vulnerable 
be open. You know, we, we can't be stoic. We can't be at a standstill. We have emotions. Allow your emotions to run out. Allow your siblings, allow your daughter, allow your son, allow your wife to know that you are an open book. You are vulnerable. All right, guys? Don't be so, don't be, don't be like that, that person. Don't be that person. But, you know, I'm not going to beat you down anymore, guys. And I just want to thank you so much again for your, your presence. Thank you for, for coming back. And uh, Amari, yo, you, you, you rock, dude. <laughs> you rock, you rock. I love that story. I love your, I love uh, this legacy that you're going to leave behind for your daughters. And guys, again, I, um, I thank you guys for coming through. And I will see you guys in a few. Bye. Okay, guys, if you want to keep up or listen to more of this podcast, you can go to Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. And, of course, on social media as far as Instagram. Catch you later.